0: Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Geek Cast, hosted by The Geekyary. Here we'll discuss various LGBTQ plus topics in relation to geek culture and fandom. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Queer Geek Cast for updates on upcoming episodes. Let's have a chat. So this week's topic is going to be LGBTQ plus representation in both fan fiction and literature. So basically the written word. And today I have with me Jamie. Jamie, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Jamie. Uh, I'm a contributor for the Geekyary. Um I read a lot, so that's why I'm here. And I'm actually, I have the book expo and book con this weekend, so it's an appropriate time to be talking about literature.
0: That's very exciting. Um, So yeah, uh, let's start with fanfiction. So we're going to be covering all written word, but fanfiction is the one that I'm most familiar with. Not to say that I don't read, but I definitely read more fanfiction than I do, you know, printed literature, I want to call it. I don't want to (laughs) say real literature versus not real literature, because fanfic's pretty commercial literature, commercial literature. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, So fanfic is pretty important to the LGBTQ plus community like just personally for me um when I write a lot of it is a way for me to kind of explore ideas and stuff like that um also I turn all characters asexual that's just what I do (laughs) I project a bit um what's been your experience with the fan fiction community
1: well it's um, because I actually when I started reading fanfic i did not have any slash ships and i swear to god that's all i have now because it was mostly i had this, like i had a bad experience with like slash fans in one of my older fandoms but uh, mm-hmm. live journal like i made a bunch of friends on live journal and they all had slash they were all slashers and so it was sl- slashers <laughs> um <laughs> that, that introduced me to like lgbt infics and it's actually very helpful because, I mean, I grew up in a really rural, isolated, like, homogenous community, and um, it took me like thirty something years to realize that I may not be entirely straight, but I don't, no, I don't know yet. So, but it was mostly fanfic that that helped that because that introduced me to something that I hadn't considered about myself before. Yeah,
0: and that's very helpful. I think you would fall under the questioning, maybe, and the Q plus. (laughs) And and I think that's kind of important, because when you get into these fanfiction communities, since a lot of it is slash, um, it's kind of more comfortable. It's a more comfortable ground to kind of explore these ideas about yourself. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) I discovered a lot of terms through these communities. <laughs> like I've known I wasn't like straight since I was 14, but I've gone through different terms and a lot of them have been discovered through fan fiction and, and the resulting fandoms. So yeah.
1: Very helpful. No, there's there's a steric fic um where they're porn stars, but whatever. Um that um is what made me think I might be demisexual because Derek I Derek is. In that one, I think. One of them is... One of them is demisexual and one of them is demiromantic. So, yeah. But it was but well, it that's was that. That's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Uh, well, I, I think that's what it is. It's been a while since I read it, but I'm pretty sure that that was what it was. Um, But yeah, because it was that... That's really the first fic I read that it explored that as a concept. So... That was really important for me because that's what made me. That's what made me stop and be like, "That sounds a lot like the way that I am." So I,
0: I had a similar experience, but with a Sherlock fanfic where, and it kind of um, broke down the ideas between romantic orientation and sexual orientation. It was a Sherlock fanfic where um, Sherlock was asexual but um, homo romantic, and then John was heterosexual, but. Um, bi-romantic and so they had this non-sexual romantic relationship and that was like my first introduction to the fact that those two things can be separate um so I can be asexual but you know pan-romantic or bi and I had no idea that was an option before
1: fanfic <laughs> like, yeah like wow I would I not have <laughs> yeah Thank you, Fanfic, because I would never have learned that on my own.
0: and mainstream media really does not touch on these things like at all, especially the nuances, like maybe they'll have yeah oh, a gay character, and then they that's that's it. like they don't really dive into a lot of these
1: more nuanced
0: topics of fanfic
1: yeah not not mainstream, but there are definitely like smaller publishers and um you know publishing houses that are specific to like LGBT works and like I'm, i mean i'm not super well read that i can speak to this with a lot of experience but i know that there are publishing houses that try to focus on that because a lot of the books that i've read are like mainstream publishers and those tend to have like the gay characters a side character or um you know it it's a book i read a book um that was about two trans characters but it was kind of like an introduction to trans for cis people. It wasn't like you know something that I think a lot of'cause i I judge this because there were a couple of reviews um by trans people, and they um commented that it was you know not really something that they would gravitate towards because it's kind of like an a manual. they're like, well, I already know all this stuff like you know you don't so it was kind of just like how to understand what it what trans is, you know. Which is which is fine if you Trans people 101. Yeah, basically. It's like, I mean that's and then that's an important thing to do to introduce to other people. Especially like I read a lot of YA. This was a YA book, obviously. So um I think it's important, especially, you know, to teenagers and to younger people to introduce the idea. Because it might not for somebody that already knows that about themselves, it might not work benefit them, but for somebody that reads that and they're like, hey, that sounds like me, like, you know, that's a good thing. But it's when you start getting into the, like, the smaller publishing houses and, like, this genre-specific – not that LGBT is a genre, but uh, – Yeah,
0: yeah. But, you know, a lot of mainstream consider it that way. It's like, this is a gay story. Yeah.
1: This is a story for the gays. Like, that's yeah, it's viewed. Because, <laughs> I mean – like, YA is considered a genre, too, and it's not. It's a marketing category, but... Uh, and it's interesting, because a lot of
0: fanfic has, or a lot of fanfic authors, at least, have been kind of making the leap into mainstream publishing. I mean, you have the bad examples, <laughs> like the, you know, number color one that we're not, gonna <laughs> not going to mention. not go there. Um, but, um, you have, I've heard a lot. Do you know much about Captive Prince? Because I have not read it, but apparently she was prolific on indie publishing, and now that's all anyone talks about. And I'm like, okay, this is, um, like a story with queer characters at the forefront, and everyone's really excited, and I feel like I should read it, but I don't know anything about it.
1: I mean, I know a little bit about it because, um, the way I found out everything is because half the people that I follow on Tumblr have read these books. Um, I haven't read them myself yet either because I have like a literal, I mean, this is a podcast so I can't show you, but I have literal stacks of books in my apartment. I ran out of shelving like three years ago. Um, So I have a lot in my to read pile, but it's basically like, he's a, I want to say he's like a, it's, he's a prince and he's like a sex slave, I think. What
0: is wow. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well I'm I think... excited. That's interesting. <laughs> Neither of us know anything about it, but she's an example, maybe a better example than, you know, that other one that shall not be named.
1: Well, actually, <laughs> the the steric fic that I mentioned about the demisexuality, mm-hmm. um the uh fic author who wrote that, uh, Bleep O Bleep, um, actually writes um, she has two published books now, um, and I the first one I think um, Vaughn reviewed, um, and it was were, were were they gay or were they bisexual? But it was like a selkie. One of them was a selkie, um, and then the other one is um, the main character is bisexual. So, and I think she has another like that's the first in a series like god why can't i remember what it's called i follow her on tumblr this is terrible i'm a terrible person um not your ordinary hero or something like that so it's like the start of a series but yeah she's good i like her
0: it's in- it's interesting that the fanfic authors are bringing this stuff into kind of more mainstream um publishing or commercial publishing i guess is one way to delineate it. Um, Some fanfic authors are bringing it out. But before that, I don't know if there was much. Like, before fanfiction culture really started to grow big, was there much representation in literature?
1: Um, I think a lot of it would have been coded, You know, like, it wouldn't have been overt, but if you knew what you were looking for, you could find it. Because, isn't it, like... I mean, I'm pretty... Isn't Mercutio gay in Romeo and Juliet? I think Scott. I think Possibly. scholars have determined that. Um, so a lot of the stuff would have been like they can't come out come out and say it, but it was like there were there were terms that people knew to look for. I'm pretty sure I saw that on Tumblr. <laughs> like I see everything else. <laughs> but I mean, I can't personally think of anything. But I've read a lot of books, and it doesn't like I can't compared to the average person. I've read a lot of books, but to compare to a lot of readers, I have not read a lot of books. <laughs>
0: So another thing I kind of want to talk about when it comes to fanfic representation versus mainstream representation is the awful tropes that a lot of fanfic writers kind of fix. Like, um, the, the most popular ones, and I've talked about this on other episodes, is the, um the another dead lesbian trope, all the female queer characters, um, both bisexual and lesbian that get killed, or the murderous gay trope, where the gay character, you know, is the bad guy, is the murderer, um, that happens a lot. It was especially prevalent in, like, the Alfred Hitchcock era, like, um, and kind of branching off the another dead lesbian one was the bury your gays trope, um, but fan fiction authors kind of fix this a lot of the time they give these characters actual stories and kind of bust out of the tropes um so fix it fix i guess let's not just fix a single plot point let's fix an entire genre
1: (laughs) or an entire uh,
0: demographic and how they're being mistreated across all (laughs) genres.
1: because like on television it's just it's terrible um i'm trying to like i'm trying to think of books because i mean obviously it's it's gonna happen but if it it's it's how it's done i think that really that's really important because obviously there are there are fics where characters die i i do not read those fics but they exist (laughs) i've been told um i see a tag major character death and i'm like nope nope i can't read read mcd nope never passing that (laughs) nope Um, it's funny, I'm, uh, working my way through Haikyuu fic, and it's, like, I had one page. First I sorted by kudos, and now I'm sorting by length. Um, and I went through, and it was, like, a whole page that was just, like, major character death, major character death. Granted, the author's name was something like, all my characters are dead, so you kind of expect that, but... (laughs) Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah, you know, when it comes to AO3, I do the exact same thing. It's sort by kudos, and then sort by length. (laughs) Yep. And then you spend like five nights in a row reading the same fic. And then when you're done, you're like, what happened? Where am I?
1: (laughs) I read a lot on the, because I, you know, I live in Brooklyn, and I work in Manhattan. And so my commute is um, about an hour each way. So I read on the train a lot. Um, And what I usually do is I load up a fic on AO3 on my phone before I get on the train, and then I (laughs) feed it on the train.
0: (laughs) I do that, too, and sometimes when it gets to parts where I'd rather not people see it, I do that whole thing where I'm, like, leaning to the side so no one can accidentally read over my shoulder. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep, hold it up, hold it up to my face. Pretend I'm not crying. (laughs) It's Okay um no okay tropes let us actually go back um a lot of the books that i've read again i read mostly why i can't speak to like adult or anything like that but um i think it's starting to in a lot of like commercial literature they're starting to get rid of that too i mean there are other tropes that exist obviously but a lot of the the lgbt stories that i've read in the past couple years um don't kill anybody off yay or they killed somebody off but it's not like because there's there you know so there's some there's one series that i was reading where clearly somebody's going to die i didn't want it to be anybody but somebody was gonna have to die that's just how it was gonna work and it wasn't the gay one so okay. yay <laughs>
0: a few episodes back i was talking um with uh emma about the tv show black sales and um how one of their one of their queer characters does have an unhappy ending but there's so many of them that it's kind of okay isn't like, pretty and much a, like, everyone gay on that show pretty, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like that was one of the things too because like if you're gonna kill a character and it's the queer character then that's our only one but if you have an abundance of these characters and you give one of them an unhappy ending or kill one of them or something it's not as big a deal as if that was our only representation
1: yeah i mean that's obviously because when when people you know um were so upset when when lexa died on the hundred it's like people were you know there's the group of people that were understandably upset because it was really they didn't do it well um, and I wasn't, I'm not such a huge fan of her character, but I understood why people were upset. Um, but then you have the people that are like, people die on shows all the time. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not the point. Like, if you have a show that's got nine white people on it and one black guy and you kill the black guy, then people are going to be upset because it's like, you got nine white people to kill. Like, why did you kill one of them? <laughs> it's yeah. like, the the storyline is not sentient. Writers had to write that. So you consciously made that decision. Yeah, so basically,
0: long story short, make everyone queer. <laughs> all the characters are queer, and then you can kill some of them, and it's okay. Because yes. we have others to choose from. <laughs> That's, okay. Uh, That's
1: okay. And as long as it makes sense for the story, and it's not just killing somebody for shock value.
0: Ugh, yeah. I'm We're a fan of that. For and...
1: reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just have them, like, vanish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're going on a vacation. They're going up on a farm in upstate.
1: and <laughs> They used to do that all the time. <laughs> Richie Cunningham had an older brother in the first season of Happy Days. He went upstairs and he never came back down and they never mentioned him again. Totally, you could totally do stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Now, here's a topic related to fanfic that's a little bit controversial, but I just have to bring it up and kind of curious about it. Um, A lot of issues when it comes to slash fiction center around the idea of, like, heterosexual women sort of fetishizing LGBTQ plus culture, specifically to men. Um, do you have any thoughts? on that? Um,
1: I mean, it happens. Like, it's not everybody though, and some people might not know because I mean, I thought I was straight until I was like thirty-two. So, but I read it, and I was like, I didn't think I was fetishizing it. Um, I mean, there are some people that do, obviously, and that's a problem. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of people that just assume that all straight women that are into it are fetishizing it. And I don't think that's true, but I also don't know what the numbers are like, it's a problem and it should be obviously discussed. It's just hard to do it because it seems like an attack either way. Like it should be brought up, Mm -hmm. but it's like, how do you bring it up without offending like everybody?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the issue. And I want to bring it up, and it's hard to, because both sides do have pretty legit points. Because the side, specifically of from gay men, and not necessarily just gay men, but those are the people that are in a lot of slash fic. There's obviously femme slash as well. But um, from that side, it's like, well, as a woman, you don't like it when lesbians are better sized and It's like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, But then on the other side, when it comes to heterosexual women, it's not always necessarily about, like, you know, enjoying it as sex, like, sexually. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily just pornography for a lot of people. Like, that happens, but it's not always the overall point of enjoying a genre, so both sides do have good points, and it's kind of hard being caught in the middle as a queer woman. It's like, because, yeah, you know, yeah, you both, you both have strong points on this.
1: <laughs> and well, and the there middle. was some, again, saw this on Tumblr, somebody had done a study where they compared the number of characters, you know, male characters and female characters, and they found out that it was like, I mean, there's just so many more char- male characters that the and the relationships and they differ and this is something like because the problem with heterosexual relationships on television in general like this isn't obviously saying that they're all like this but a lot of them are inherently problematic and not portrayed that as problematic and so I feel like um I mean that's one of the reasons I started gravitating towards slash when i read mostly like solely het like when i first got into fandom um it's because uh, you know they they started introducing all of these issues and relationships that you know are clearly just for drama and when you when you focus on like if you're a slash pairing like let's face it you know it, most of these are not going to go canon. Um and so they the writers on the show don't have a chance to screw it up. <laughs> basically, um but also my problem is that like a lot of the relationships that I like the male female relationships that I see on television like they they fall into the same like clichés and they're just they're predictable and they're boring and they're not as interesting as the relationship between the uh like the two male characters because they I think it's it's starting to get better now but I just think that male characters are written just so much more like nuanced than a lot of female characters are it depends I mean on genre shows like that isn't true obviously I think like The Expanse has amazing female characters um which I think is true of a lot of sci-fi but it it happens on like comedies and like you know a lot of dramas where like it's just uh my default example is uh Leonard and Penny on the Big Bang Theory. The first time they got together, they were awful and I just could not understand how anybody could ship them. Um because it was just terrible, but you you the show portrays it as like romantic and we should be rooting for these people and every week I'm like why? They clearly don't like each other. Like why are they even together? And then when they broke up, I was like, "Yes!" And then they got back together, and I was like, no, and I don't watch the show anymore. Not that that's completely related to that, but that was part of it, because I was just like, oh, I can't make myself sit through these people together. They're better now. Like, they write them better now, but they were awful the first time they got together. Sometimes it feels like TV writers have never been in a relationship. Like, and I've never been in a relationship, so I really can't talk. But it's just like, wow, is everybody, like, are love triangles, like, that common that they happen... (laughs) Like, that they have to happen all the time. On every single show. <laughs> like <laughs> Basically. And I mean, that gets us off the, the topic. My point, to tying to the fetishing thing, was that sometimes it's, like, if even, I mean, you're a, a heterosexual, like, woman, it's, like, sometimes all of the characters are men. So if you, like, like, you're gonna ship somebody on that show, it's gonna have to be two dudes because there's nobody else to ship them with.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely an issue. Like, there are not a lot of female characters um nowadays a lot of shows are shifting like the hundred is another example where it's a huge amount of female characters it's amazing um i've stopped watching it for other reasons (laughs) sorry the hundred i wrote a big long breakup letter so uh, listeners can go read that if they want to know why i'm not going to rehash it here (laughs) Um, um but a lot of older shows it's majority men like thinking back to like the original star trek like i can think of maybe two women and they weren't on it consistently they were and they usually usually stayed on the ship when they went down to like explore and so of course you're gonna start shipping all the dudes like if you want to see relationships because otherwise it's just like kirk walking around the ship yep
1: like yeah well, because then you, then you get in the chance where it's, like, if you want to have, like, a, a pairing on a show that's got mostly male characters, then you have to, like, invent a character, and that's a whole other... Self-insert. Thing. Then you get in
0: the self-insert fanfiction. Yeah, well, I <laughs> actually things. have a fic that was like
1: that, and so... <laughs> um, I wasn't <laughs> intending to, like, I don't... But it's, like, it was when I first started writing fanfics, so... Oh, yeah, when I was a teenager, it was all... Oh, no, I wasn't a teenager. It was just, like, (laughs) I didn't start... Well, because I didn't start writing... Actually, like, writing thick until I was in my 20s. Alright, no
0: judgment, no judgment. Um... I'm not judging.
1: (laughs) Well, I didn't even... I mean, dude, rural Pennsylvania. I didn't know this crap existed. Like, I think the first forum I joined was... I was in college, so I was, like, 21 when I joined. So, like... And it wasn't even, like, a... So... It was a forum for fans of the guy that plays Oliver Wood in the Harry Potter movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do it. Yeah. You gotta do I think my first introduction, I was about maybe 13 or 14, and it was back in the fanfiction.net days, those dark, dark days. And I think I started off with Sailor Moon fanfiction. And that's how I learned that like Neptune and Uranus are lesbians. I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, fanfiction, because the American translations neglected to tell me this information. <laughs> oh, I didn't write that genre, but that was like, what is this thing? People can write their own stories. Did they just make that up? And then I look it up on the old, not even Google. Google didn't exist. It was like Alta Vista. <laughs>
1: also vista yeah
0: (laughs) it was like a whole new aol search because i had aol oh yeah yeah i remember i used to circumvent aol though like i had aol but i didn't like to use it but anyway that's another topic (laughs) i was a rebel even when it comes to my web browsers (laughs) there were
1: a lot of games on aol that i liked to play
0: that's why i liked
1: using aol and that's like
0: I used to do chat room role-playing. That was another way. Fan fiction and role-playing when I was about that age was how I learned a lot of stuff. Moving on from fan fiction to other written word, I don't do as much reading as I'd like to. I read maybe two or three books a year, which is really low. (laughs) Um, so you read a hell of a lot more than I do. And you got BookCon coming up, which by the time this episode gets released, BookCon will be in the past. So I'll be sure to link to any articles you write about it. Um, But tell me about the state of LGBTQ plus representation in commercial literature. Like right now. Yeah, we
1: touched on this earlier, but it's like, it's getting better, especially in YA. I really can't speak to anything else. I, I read predominantly YA. And actually, all of the books that I have marked to pick up at, at the Book Expo are YA. I didn't even bother looking at the adult list. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's getting better. I've definitely noticed an increase um, in LGBT characters. Still, I mean, again, like, in the main main publishing houses, like, there's, like, the six big publishing houses, which is, like, uh, HarperCollins, uh, Simon & Schuster, uh, Penguin, Random House, Disney, like... There's definitely an uptick in, like, side characters that are LGBT. Rick Riordan, who writes the Percy Jackson books and a lot of other stuff, he made, like, one of the characters that's introduced in the third Percy Jackson book, you find out in, like, in the second series that he's he's gay. And that was important for a lot of people. Because I think he, he's, also, he's also POC, I think. I don't remember. I'd have to reread them. But um but yeah, and actually I just I I I posted a review on the Geeky area. Uh there's a um book it's called The Pearl Thief. And the main character is bisexual. Um and she's bisexual in like the 40s in England when it was like, you know, not to say you know, you couldn't talk about that kind of stuff. But and there's actually like she's The Pearl Thief was um a prequel. To a book called Codename Verity, which is um, the main character from The Pearl Thief is one of the main characters in Codename Verity too, and she's in the she's in the armed forces in the UK um, in World War Two. She's a spy, so it's pretty cool. Um, and that was and that reminded me because again, there's there's a whole thing that a lot of like LGBT women were in the armed forces in, like, World War II, and, like, people, like, nobody said anything, because, like, I guess it was was a reasonable, well, I don't know how reasonable, but it was an occupation that was pursued by a lot of um, LGBT women, probably because it was something they could actually get, I don't know, we needed people in the army, so we'll take it, but, but, yeah, but, uh, sorry, I ramble, I'm terrible on podcasts, because I just get off topic so much, but there are, and there are like it like i'm starting to see an uptick and obviously there's um i mean there's entire publishing divisions and publishing houses that focus solely on publishing lgbt books and by lgbt authors which is important i also reviewed and i had an interview with um robin tally who writes primarily she's got four books published and they're all female like same sex female relationships like i you know it's it's laying the groundwork it's obviously not not where it should be yet but it it's getting there and i think there's a lot more choices now than there would have been you know like 20 years ago when i was a kid so if i'd had fanfic 20 years ago i probably would have realized earlier that i might be not straight but Realizing it now, it's better late than never.
0: (laughs) The generation behind us will have a lot more opportunities. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm really happy for them. (laughs) Like, I do wish that I had a lot of these, uh, like, a lot more access to this type of stuff when I was younger, but at least things are getting progressively better from generation to generation. Yeah, and
1: there's a lot more. I mean, it's not just, like, it's not just one type, either. It's not just, like, oh, they're all, like, gay. You know, there's a nice smattering of uh people on the spectrum. Um because the 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 Pearl Thief which I mentioned the main character's um bisexual and they don't explicitly come out and say like she's bisexual, but she's very clearly interested in both men and women. Um and then Leigh Bardugo writes um I don't know what the actual series is called, but the first book is called Six of Crows. Um, which I absolutely loved. And they have two male characters that end up in a relationship. And then The Art of Being Normal, which is the book that I mentioned earlier about the the trans characters. So they're trans. And then I follow um, an author on Twitter. Her name's Erica Cameron. And she has a series of books about an assassin that's asexual. So, like, it's starting to... It's not just starting to... You know, you're not just starting to get more books... With lgbt characters you're getting to start getting more variety too it's like different genres and all that kind of which stuff.
0: which i think is exactly the the source of all those terrible tropes that we talk about earlier is that we don't have variety we don't have large numbers so you know if you have one character it's very easy to mess that up if you have one book you know it's very easy to mess that up um but then if you have like 30 different genres to choose from you walk into the bookstore and on the shelf there's 30 different genres with characters that you can see yourself in One of them might, you know, click with you. You don't have just one choice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: You know, with the advent like the internet makes it so helpful to like find these books because I I know I have it bookmarked but I don't know it offhand. Um, there is um a blog that specifically like reviews I'm sure there are a bunch of blogs that specifically review like LGBT books. So like if you didn't know where to start you could go and find them. I don't I don't like to read reviews before I read a book. Um just because I feel like that influences my opinion before I read it. I'm one of those people that is the cover pretty. Yay. <laughs> but it, it is helpful. Don't like, judge a book by its cover. Tisk tisk. Well, actually, <laughs> there's a lot of people that work in in design that would want you to judge the book by its cover because that's their job. <laughs> um yeah, and I mean, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, one of my favorite books is *The Alchemist* by Paul. Oh my God, I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Paulo uh, Quello? I cannot. I I can never pronounce it. I don't think I've ever heard it spoken, so I wouldn't know how to say it. But I bought that based on its cover, and it's one of my favorite books. And then there was another book that I bought based on its cover, and it was awful. So it, you know, it happens. But um, like I was saying, had the the reviews for *The Art of Being Normal*, you know, from the the trans people that had read it, that said, you know that it was it was not really something that they would gravitate towards just because it's like like I said it's like trans people 101 but um i mean if that's something if you're you're questioning that about yourself then that might be something that that reading that review might be helpful for you to understand that that's a book that you might want to read but they do exist good reads is a thing you can't really, like, search by that... T- well, you probably can. I'm, I don't Like, I use Goodreads, but I don't really use it to its fullest extent. Um, but, you know, go on Tumblr and people post about stuff like that all the time. And, and, and like, especially because I was like, Tumblr and, like, Twitter have definitely helped. Because you can go to somebody um, who you know reads a lot and ask them for recommendations. Like, I have some, but I don't have a lot. Because I don't remember stuff mushes together after a while and i'm just like i think that's what that was about but i don't remember
0: i keep wanting to like improve my goodreads profile but then that's going to be me admitting to the world that i only read like two or three books a year (laughs) i don't want everyone (laughs) well now everyone's going to know because it's in the podcast and so my shame is going to be out there for the world to see (laughs) so you know what now i don't have an excuse i should just go and fill out my goodreads
1: profile (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) excuse anymore you can totally like there's a lot of stuff up there. You can totally, like, count, like, I think they, they probably have, like, short stories and stuff up there. Read a lot of short stories and then just be like, look at how much I'm reading. <laughs> I started adding, because I start, you know, because, you know, I got into anime. Yes. <laughs> um, and aware. so then I started reading, I started reading the manga. <laughs> <laughs> I started reading manga for some of the things.
0: They count. That counts. Well, if, your if manga thing. counts, then I read, like, 30 or 40 <laughs> there we go i'm actually kind of badass in
1: that regard yep because i i did i do the goodreads reading challenge every year and uh last year i really tanked at it because i got into anime and that kind of like declined my (laughs) (laughs) um like i was doing okay but i just started you know well fanfic took over too i read a lot more fanfic last year than i did actual books um, and so this year I'm like, no, I'm going to get back to reading actual books, but it's still mostly manga and fanfic. Um, the fact that I finished a book like a week ago was like, yes. <laughs> but I have so many books that are going to be coming out for uh, at the book expo that I'm like, OK, I have to read. Books
0: so again. what's on your what's on your book expo list, even if it doesn't fit into the LGBTQ plus topic that we're talking about? What's on your
1: book con list? See, here's the thing. I complained about this and like two before, but. The book, like, they used to put out a list every year of all of the books that they were going to have available. Um, and it would be, like, the book and the, the title, the author's name, um, usually the genre and the um, a little description about what it was about. And so I used to, like, print that out and go through it, and there would be, like, 800 titles on there. I would go through and I would, like, highlight everything that I was interested in. Um, but they didn't do that this year. So I'm just like, my list is a lot smaller than normal. And a lot of this stuff is like, see, I like now I have the list, but I don't remember what half this stuff is about. So, <laughs> um, so, well, one of the things that I'm hoping to pick up is uh, Leigh Bardugo is wrote a YA novel for uh, Wonder Woman. So I hope to get a copy of that. Might be tough, though. She has, um, she's doing a signing of it. Um, but the signing was ticketed, and, like, I totally forgot that tickets were being made available, and it was gone in, like, two minutes. So. <laughs> but it was also a pain because you had to have, like, your barcode, your badge barcode number to get tickets, and I don't have my badge yet, because as press, I go pick it up there. So I don't even think I could gotten tickets anyway. So, whatever. But that's coming. And then, um... There's this book that sounds really interesting. It's called Gunslinger Girl. Um and I think it's like a steampunk old west mashup and she's uh like she's an outlaw, you know, in the in the in the old west uh main character. So, yeah, see I have I have titles, I don't have what the plots
0: are. <laughs> um how long have you been going to bookcon?
1: Um this is my well, BookCon has only existed since 2014, so this will be my third. But I've been going to the Book Expo since 2013.
0: Uh, so these are two different cons, Book Expo and BookCon.
1: Or are they the same thing now? Yeah, well, um, they're combined, but they're not the same. Like, book the Book Expo is, like, the trade portion. So that's for, like, um, people that work in publishing, It's for booksellers. It's for librarians to go and see what's going to be coming out, so that they know what they want to stock. And then BookCon is open to the public. Like that's a public convention um, that they sell tickets for and everything. Like so, for book for the Book Expo, you have to like work in the industry somehow. You have to be a librarian, or you have to be a bookseller, um, or you have to work in publishing, or you know, be press or whatever.
0: So you've been attending Book Expo for a while longer than
1: BookCon. Yeah. Because BookCon only, like, they started in 2014. I didn't go last year because it was in Chicago and I couldn't afford it. But, yeah, that's why I'm so happy it's back in New York.
0: (laughs) So happy. You guys get all the great cons in New York.
1: It's fantastic. But (laughs) most of the publishing houses are located here. So it just makes more sense to have it here. But people get upset that it's here every year. And I'm like, but this is where they are. And there's, like, librarian conferences, which are similar to the book expo that happen all over the place. Like, I think there's one in Texas and there's one in Florida. Like, they happen other places.
0: Have you noticed a shift in genres, like, when it comes to book con, like, over the years? Like, particularly when it comes to LGBTQ plus representation, but not just that. Like, how has the genres or uh, representation at all changed at BookCon. like have you noticed more representation in the authors that come or the books that are highlighted in these little printouts that you have i mean i'm
1: definitely seeing more again ya i'm definitely seeing more of an increase in books that feature lgbt characters like as main characters and there was a concerted push for the second book con which was in 2015, to have more diverse books. Um, That's how the We Need Diverse Books hashtag campaign started was because of that. Um, Because you would go there and it's like most of the authors that they had featured on the panels and everything were like straight white dudes. And it's like, okay, great. But most of the people that go to BookCon are like teenage girls. That's primarily what goes, that I've seen. Um, So, you know, you have to... Bring people that write for them because that's what they want to see. So, and and BookCon is definitely like, it's a lot of YA novelists and celebrity authors. Yeah,
0: I noticed. I noticed the celebrity authors thing. I was looking at some of those lists, and I'm just like,
1: they wrote books like,
0: yeah, just like, like
1: a random celebrity apparently wrote a book, like <laughs> Kristen Ritter, and they're fiction too. They're not like memoirs. Like Kristen Ritter wrote a book, um hers actually sounded cool i might have to pick that up um yeah like chad michael murray wrote a book like chelsea clinton is
0: there i don't know what she wrote but she's apparently going to be there so
1: (laughs) oh yeah i forgot she was going to be there
0: (laughs) so i guess be cautious of secret service everywhere because i think they're they're yeah follow her part of the former first family you get that for life i think so that should be interesting
1: well, that'll just make security at the Javits extra. Awesome. Oh yeah, especially
0: after all the uh, the Phoenix Comic Con thing that just happened. Which again, by the time yeah. by the time this podcast comes out, Phoenix the Phoenix Comic Con incident will be a thing of the past. But there was an incident where some guy tried to bring in guns to shoot up Phoenix Comic Con and got caught. So, good luck at BookCon with a uh, former first daughter there
1: <laughs> after that incident. But yeah, oh, but oh, yeah, man. so a lot of the YA the authors that are going to be there are authors that have wrote have have written <laughs> have written lgbt characters like um i'm not a huge fan but cassandra clare is going to be there <laughs> and she obviously of course wrote the shadow hunters books which is now a show on uh free which was formerly abc family um and I started watching Shadowhunters, and I hate myself, but Malik is awesome, so... I, yeah, um,
0: I've heard great things about Shadowhunters, but I still can't get over the Cassandra Clare thing, so I haven't actually watched or read yeah. it, so I don't know if it's <laughs> worth it. Oh, I'm not to... going to read it,
1: no. I'm going to watch it, though, because... <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know how much she has to do with the show, but <laughs> Harry Shum Jr. is... Amazing. And she's so. another
0: author that started in fan fiction and then made the jump to commercial publishing.
1: Yes, that is true. That is not somebody I would model myself after, but not exactly a good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so she's going to be there. Her signing was gone in like two seconds. She's actually going to be on a panel for YA DC superheroes that I'm hoping I can get into. And then I'm hoping I won't have to get there too early for. Because BookCon is different than other cons in the sense that it's a convention, but it's a, a convention attended by people that don't normally attend conventions. So it doesn't really operate the same as other conventions. So it's not something like you do not need to camp out for anything at BookCon. They only have like four panel rooms, it's fine. But she's gonna be there. Oh my god, I cannot pronounce her last name. Stifiter? Stif. Stif- she wrote The Raven Cycle. It's terrible. I can't pronounce people's names because I've never heard them pronounced. Um, but she wrote The Raven Cycle, which is very popular. That's LGBT characters as well. Um, I don't know if she's there this year. But she's been there in the past. She also wrote a series of werewolf books that I was not a fan of, but okay. Um, I got really into werewolf like fiction when I got into Teen Wolf because I was just like... I was like, I got into Teen Wolf and I'm like, alright, give me all the werewolf books. And... Um, People would like wreck like, oh, like this one and I'm like, okay. And then I would read it and I'm like, I don't like this. Like they're not good. I've yet to find a good werewolf book. It's terrible. Um, also somebody wrecked the like the Shadow books because there are werewolves in that. And I was like, Yeah, no, not reading those, sorry. But yeah, so like I said, it's mostly I think YA that's carrying the representation. Can't really. Although I don't read a lot of adult fiction, I think so I, can't I really... think that's kind of indicative of
0: trends overall. Like in all media, like in YA, there's a specific. I mean, in literature, there's a specific genre, or I guess marketing. What did you call it? Marketing. Mar- marketing marketing category. category of YA, but even in like films and TV show less so films because they're more risky than TV shows where you can walk it back. If your audience doesn't like it, you can just rewrite the end of the season, but, um, more so in TV shows that are viewed by a younger demographic, they take more risks than shows that are viewed by older demographics. So basically rah, rah, go youth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I read a, um,
1: uh, I'm pretty sure I had this stat in an article that I, that I did, but I don't remember which article and I don't remember Oh, it might have been my last year for for Pride Month. We did um a post of LGBT book recs. Um all oh, right, right. And there was a stat that I quoted in there. Well, there was an article that I quoted that had a stat that said it's something like 57% of like teenagers do not consider themselves straight. Wow. So, or it was it was something. It was it was a really a larger amount than you would think because of course everybody quotes the stat like oh one in ten people are gay and I'm like I don't think that's exactly true. Everybody, pretty much everybody I know is and gay. And also like, <laughs> something.
0: A lot, of, a lot of people who fight against me on like um, protecting LGBTQ people like to bring out the stack that only four percent identify in that category which is lower than the one in ten stat um, but Four percent that's still a lot of people that we should protect. But anyway, I just think that argument is bunk. Um, but that's still really impressive. There's such a huge disparity when it comes to younger people just being like, eh, like whatever, I'm not straight, but I don't know. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> more than half of them. Well, and I think it's just because <laughs> something it's something there. that you can talk about now. Because when I was growing up and again, rural Pennsylvania, I mean, there were some kids that I went to school with that, you know, everybody knew they were gay but nobody said anything. So and then, you know, they would come out after they graduated and went somewhere else because the not super welcoming to different people was my hometown.
0: Yeah, I went to school in suburbia, but it was really conservative suburbia. Like when it comes to California, I was in Orange County, which is like the little red blotch in southern california where all the republicans live and my high school actually legitimately had a protest against gay people like <laughs> let, oh, uh, wow. let me tell you the story it's a very brief story and it is a little off topic but it kind of uh, shows you where i come from when it comes to this type of stuff um so it's my senior year in high school and a like a about a month before graduation they had different speakers come in to speak about possible career paths and one of the speakers was a theater someone in theater a woman that was in theater and while answering a question she just happened to casually mention that her girlfriend worked in costuming and it was a very casual off-handed comment the very next day, um, parents showed up with signs: "Do not teach hetero or do not teach homosexuality in school." Blah 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 blah. Oh my god! <laughs> and they would they would march around in the front of our school while we we're trying to walk into the school to go to class. And it's just like really. And like another friend of mine. Um, tried to get a gsa a gay straight alliance set up for like two years and they kept pushing back against them like oh that's not really appropriate for the school meanwhile i was essentially out as bisexual at 14 though then i dated a guy for two years and people don't understand that i'm still bisexual even when i'm dating a guy um yeah. So everyone's like oh she's straight yeah. now um
1: <laughs> have you heard the werewolf metaphor to describe bisexuality no, i haven't but to tell me <laughs> cuz it's basically like I've, again I've seen this on Tumblr but it's just like when you're a werewolf you're both a man or like a human and a wolf you're never just a wolf or just a human so it's like if you're bisexual like you're never just gay or just straight you're always bisexual like regardless That's of who you're a dating,
0: great so. metaphor. I love it. But yeah, that's where I came from and I I kind of wonder how my old high school is now like do they have a gsa is it openly talked about um you know i don't think i would hope that they wouldn't protest against that little tiny innocuous comment like that again yeah and let me tell you though i was really glad that happened like a couple weeks before i left and graduated because i'm just like oh i'm so glad i'm like leaving and yeah yeah miles away
1: <laughs> goodbye we didn't like n- nobody protested my school um we not not for anything gay we did have we had protests because our mascot were the blue devils and that's satanic so that we we had protests because of that um i was in drama or what passed for drama in my school we didn't have like a drama group but uh, we did damn yankees one year and i don't know if anybody's familiar with the musical damn yankees but the plot is is that a guy sells his soul to the devil to be a ball player for his favorite team so that they can win the pennant um, and obviously that's satanic. So people would buy tickets and then get up and walk out. And I'm like, okay, um, one, thanks for the money. Yay. Two, we can't, if we're on stage, we can't see you walk out. So your protest accomplished nothing. Um, but we
0: did have. <laughs> and you guys are teenagers. Like they're trying to make a political statement. Parents are making a political statement at teenagers. Like, what oh my god (laughs) i was like
1: i I mean maybe they were like oh well you know the the drama teacher can see us or whatever and i'm like probably not because he's probably backstage doing his job like um but we did have um nobody protested but it was like and i didn't find out for a while what happened but when i was in sixth grade um our history teacher was dating our science teacher and everybody loved them they were the cutest couple ever and then there was a and then all of a sudden, they weren't dating anymore. And I don't think I found out for, like, three years what happened. But she left him for the assistant vice principal, who was a woman. And that was, like, that was a big scandal. And, like, I'm still not sure if it was a scandal because they were both women or if because she was dating somebody when she, like, ran off. Like, I'm I'm not sure. Because to me, the scandal would be, like, not ending the relationship before you ran off, but where I'm from, it was probably the fact that they were two women, and it was something, like, nobody talked about, even though everybody knew it, because that's just, you just didn't talk about it. It's not nice to talk
0: about it. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, these are where we came from. This was our generation. We're only a few years apart, so very similar generations. And the younger people of today that are in high school or just now entering college, even younger 20 somethings, maybe fresh out of college, I'm not going to say that their world is perfect. <laughs> like, it's obviously not, but I'm really glad that it's so much better than where we came from. Like, and uh, that's going to vary regionally. Like, I'm sure in rural areas, it's a lot less progressive, you know, than in a big city like a kid in San Francisco versus a kid in rural Alabama there's going to be a major difference still and that kid in rural Alabama might not be like might not think oh we have not made any progress because their experience is very different um, but overall, overall I, I feel like we have left kind of a better better history for the generation behind us and that's reflected in YA literature that's affected in tv shows taking risks and etc so let's hope the generation after is even better
1: <laughs> I really wish people would get on like I honestly think that the huge uptick in like lgbt characters in literature is because like publishers have discovered that people actually want that like they want to read those books and so they're more willing to go out and find those books and publish them and then i think they would have been you know 10 years ago they probably would have been worried that you know people would boycott. and i'm there probably are still people that boycott um i i'm i know there are people that boycott but um there was a there's always yeah class. always <laughs> but i think they're more willing to to take the risk so to speak that was an air quotes um publishing it because they they know that there's an audience now and i think that that stat whether or not that was accurate 57 um is because like because of that like they because um i mean a lot of people will identify as straight because that's just what they think they should you know and so if you read something in a book where you know in the pearl thief because it's like she's she meets the um wait does she meet the dude first no, I think she I think she meets the girl first and she's like immediately captivated by her but she doesn't know why. And then she meets the guy and she she also likes him but it's like in a different way and so I really think and I talked about this in my review that I was like I think she the author does a good job of like explaining the differences between the attraction that she has between the two characters and they're both still valid attractions but there's just one that's more like that's bigger for her. So, and, you know, you read books like that and you're like, oh, I feel like that sometimes I didn't realize that that was like real, like that was a thing, you know. I'm trying to think if I have more book recs that I can give. So definitely The Pearl Thief and Codename Verity also. Um, that's an amazing, like I read that book first. That's an amazing book. Um, not so much relationshipy in that one, but they do have, a, there is a really good female friendship, which I also feel is underrepresented like everywhere well-written female friendship sorry um uh so i'm look. i'm just looking at my book list uh the percy jackson books if you didn't already know looking looking see i can show you like like that's my bookshelf like (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty epic yeah and i have like there's a stack over there and there's a couple stacks over there and i have like a big bag that I just brought home yesterday. Um, so for,
0: for for listeners who can't see what I just saw, it's a <laughs> giant bookshelf busting at the seams and flooding out to all the yep. surrounding room filled with books. It's
1: fantastic. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, I know I have more. Oh, um, well, the Six of Crows—that's a good one. That's a that's a heist novel too. So it, it's it's the like there are there's a romance in there, same sex romance. Um but there's six main characters and it alternates points of view so it's not like a huge part of the story but it is a big part of those characters. Um so that's a, that's a good book and then uh The Bone Season by Samantha Shannon, that's a series. Um there's a couple of gay characters in that one. Um I'm sure I have a ton I just cannot think of them right now and I'm like just looking at titles and I'm like not remembering stuff from the books so oh and on the topic of fanfiction if nobody's read Fangirl by Rainbow Roll that's a book about a girl that writes (laughs) fanfiction like she writes (laughs) she writes slash fic actually.
0: Okay, I might have to read that, and then I can add a, f- a fourth book to my two or three <laughs> books a year thing,
1: yeah. So that I don't look so terrible on Goodreads. <laughs> I I love that book. It's um I, I actually picked it up at the book the first book expo that I went to. Um, so yeah, she writes slash fic, and she the the fandom that she writes in is Harry Potter, but it's not obviously not Harry Potter for um copyright reasons, but it's Harry Potter. But anyway. So she in the whole like the whole book it's about her going to college and everything like that. But in the whole book she's writing a fic like it'll put snippets from the fic in the book and they actually like published the fic. Like <laughs> Oh, what's it called? Um I'm pretty sure Vaughn's read it. Um but it's like so Carry on. Carry on that's what it's called. I didn't even have to finish googling. Um yeah, but carry on. So like that's like perfect that they published. Um but there's that. So and I'm sure I have a ton we have an LGBT book recs post from last year. Um people want to check that out. Oh, so, yeah, anything by Robin Tower. All right.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining yes, me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Queer Geek Cast. Please head on over to our host website, thegeekyary.com. That's T-H-E-G-E-E-K-I-A-R-Y.com and consider supporting us on Patreon. Our music is by Sarah and the Safe Word. You can find them at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not represent the podcast or host website, The Geekery. Want to join in on the conversation? Send us comments via text or audio to our email address, queergeekcast at gmail.com.